That's what this place was built on. That's what our community is founded on. Don't act like the example. Just be the example. This is the home of the greatest fitness community in the world. We're trying to create strong, able bodies, resilient to injury with a gas tank to get shit done. If there's one thing from this podcast, it's about taking media action. Find the problem, fix the problem. This is your opportunity. It's either a hell yes or a fuck no. It's that simple. <laughs> now is the time to take action. Now's the time to do more and be more. So welcome to Second One Podcast, everybody. Excited about my episode today with my new friends, Zach and AJ from Seattle. Zach Filer, AJ Cara from Seattle, the 206 South and Old Country Strong. All these things we're going to talk about today, they will explain more. Uh, great facility, great spots that these guys have out there. And I'm super excited to learn more about it because I really don't know much about it. So welcome to the show, guys. and appreciate you getting on here early in the morning for me. Yeah, man. Thank you for having us. Um, I know we talked about getting on. So when you sent me that notice yesterday, I was like, let's let's get it. We let's are go. always down to chat it up with our friends. Yeah, we got the last minute uh, request and you guys came through. So we met just two weeks ago. I, I knew of you guys kind of from online from uh, the Conjugate Tactical. We're all coaches together, but never really met. We hooked up at uh, in Vegas, a little meetup that we're not allowed to talk about. And then, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, you know, and we just kind of like hit it off and have fun. Don't worry, Gus was on last week. We mentioned this as well. Just a bunch of us hanging out and, and shooting the shit and having some ideas, but I love what you guys are doing, and it was just curious more about it. So tell me about two hundred six L. Start. Um. Well, so don't get a- all professional. You're so professional now. Two minutes ago, you were not. Oh no, 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 no. It's more like. <laughs> all right, there we go. It's more like uh, he's really bad at dates, so yeah, he's exactly. trying to remember dates. how long he's been doing this. Well, no, for a broad a broad scope of what two hundred six currently is, um, we are a nonprofit organization up in Seattle um that well, down in seattle down in seattle Sorry. we're on the oh yeah he's up in canada i always forget where the, the arrows go on all that stuff um but we're on the we're in the south end of seattle and we run a nonprofit that is very centralized with the focus of helping teens and getting fitness in all kind of different areas as far as lifting boxing jujitsu wrestling and stuff like that available at a cost that people in the area can actually get so for adults as well so a lot of people when they hear about 206 or they kind of look us up, they see the kids and think that's a central portion of it. And that's a central portion of like what we do, uh, but it's not necessarily a central portion of our gym and our community. Our community itself is like 14 years old. That's when I opened up my first gym. So I have people that have been training with me for 14 years and they can't understand what happened for me to start coaching kids they're like so you're meant you're a mentor now we remember you when you were just a dirt bag like running so, a 20 some year old running so, the gym. so 14 years ago zach was what you were 24 yeah i think i was 24 when just I was turned first. 25 like the first summer that he was running this gym and so um the the we call them the six gymmers have yeah. have really seen the evolution of zach from 24 to 38 has been quite a quite yeah. a transformation yeah how did you get become involved did you so I asked, so back, back, in, the day, back <laughs> okay. in the day when, when, when Zach was an unruly 20 something, um, he <laughs> had back, it was so long ago that, um, people read blogs. Yeah. So, uh, my coach and my mom's coach 
um, was had found Zach through the the great World Wide Web um, up in Canada. We do have that there. Um, and uh, so I kind of knew of him peripherally. He was programming for my coach, Dave. Um, he hosted a fundraiser workout called Pipe Hitters every year. An event. An event. Yeah. An event. Um, so a, a bunch of Canadians used to kind of make the pilgrimage down in August and compete. Um, and we would just, well, not we, I mean, I should say, I just got absolutely shellacked by the girls at Zach's gym. And in the car on the way home, we talk about like, oh, how cool would it be to do like a cycle? So a six week block of training with Zach's people and just, you know, see how they train, get strong, like learn about what they're doing down there because it's a CrossFit affiliate and they're all competing in CrossFit, but they're also all competing in kettlebell and they're all super freaking strong. And how, like, how is he doing this? Um, Cause really the only programming influences in BC, at least that were going on in like mm. 2010 through 2013 in Canada was like OPT and <clears throat> .com was pretty much like the biggest programming influences we we're seeing. Um, so it was, we were just like really intrigued by it. And then a couple years later, I was done my undergrad, wanted to do my master's degree, um, but wasn't really sure, like, wasn't really feeling the, I was looking at like a doctorate in psychology track. Um, and my supervisor was like, why don't you take a year off? You don't really seem like wholeheartedly gap into year. it. Let's take, a gap gap year. take a gap year eight years ago. Yeah. I never went back. Um, sorry, Allison. Um, so Zach posted for the first time, like, Hey, we're looking for interns outside our immediate gym community to come in and, and learn to coach. And I emailed so over eager, like Zach loves to do the impression of me as a 21 year old, just like, hi, I want to learn. Um, it was, <laughs> it was a pretty dorky. Um, but I was like, Hey, yeah, I want, I want to, I'm pretty sure I attached like a resume and a cover letter to like my, my first Everybody interaction with him. Everybody did. That. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. That's yeah, you weren't alone sure. in that. Um, and I was like, I want to do your, your, um, internship. And he was like, Oh, do you mean the satellite internship? We'll talk about a little bit about like old country strong and stuff, but he's like, oh, you mean the the like abroad one? Because you clearly don't live in Seattle. And I was like, no, no, I mean, I'm going to pack up my Toyota Corolla full of stuff and come move there and, and learn from you guys. And he was like, oh, okay, well, I guess you should come to an interview. So I did a Skype interview and then I came down for like 48 hours. Scariest interview of my life because I stayed with Zach. And so it was just like full on. <laughs> it's a 48 hour five. interview. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wake up at five, go teach a 6am class, taught all day, you know, train together, like very, very intimidating. She didn't drink coffee at the time either. And I didn't. Yeah. It's hard like, to trust people that don't drink coffee. Well, no, right? that's the thing that was, she didn't tell me. Oh, I didn't. I didn't so say I shit. Was like, just do just what he's doing. Force feeding. And we, at that time we had a, like even a lot of classes that we were teaching. And I just taught all the classes because, mm-hmm. uh, like low-key you have control issues yeah control issues and then like we realized at a certain point i was like seattle's most successful personal trainer because i pretty much he was personal training as 200 gym members yeah so but i would do all that and i just was like she was like 5 a.m i'm like here here's a cup of coffee and then 7 a.m i'm like here's a cup of coffee and then like you know before we're gonna train i'm like here's a cup of coffee and she was just fucking wired because like shaking i didn't know she didn't like black coffee so and it was like real strong coffee too but yeah, so she she applied for the open-ended internship, internship excuse me, uh, came down, she crushed it. Uh, we invited her to come down and, you know, do an internship. She left. Uh, we were like, man, we should get her back. She came back. Meanwhile, I was there was the year that um that uh, 
Fast and Furious song when Paul yeah. Walker died. Ozier, that came out. And okay. I just remember driving back home to Canada and it would be on the radio like every hour. And I was just like crying, like, it's been a long yeah. day. <laughs> she was like crying. This is like when she was leaving. It was like, as she was leaving, she's like, I want to go back. Yeah, I, but I couldn't stay in the States any longer. So I had to like, we we did a lot of visa applications to get me down here. But uh, yeah, it all worked out. Dude, yeah, we, we'll we we'll let you go back to asking questions. But the story, <laughs> the story of how we get anywhere is, it's. I mean, it's just the gym itself is 14 years and I was doing stuff before then. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't even include like seminars or like private work or anything like that. So there's like, it's just every time we go on like a podcast, I'm always like, we got to stay on point. Cause yeah, you want to yeah. hear a life story. You want to hear what, <laughs> you know, hey, yeah, we wanna... we were pulling out some questions and I was like, I don't know. I don't just know. tell them like, Guide, guide it wherever you want us to go. I'll, I'll talk my ear off. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the idea of the podcast, right? We just want, it's it's all about the stories, man. People love the story of how people came to be and you guys are killing it. So keep going, man. Yeah. He, and he had, so he had two careers before opening a gym at 24, which yeah. I just think is crazy. I Yeah, I too took a gap year from, <laughs> from high school and college. And my mom's like, you fucking DJ. <laughs> We need, we need to go to college and then i did and i did i went to uh bellevue community college for fire science go bulldogs <laughs> go bulldogs which is now a four-year university so i tell my brother all the time we went to law school i was like yeah you went to law school but i got my four-year degree in two years he's like that's not what happened i was like i went to bellevue college he's like you went to the community college i'm like mm, but it's a real college now i was like sorry so fucking crush it on that yeah so i um I got done with high school. I was I was very much um, like into athletics and stuff like that. I was a big time grappler and things. But my uh, my my tendency to be a bit of a wild <laughs> wild child kind of overshadowed my uh, my abilities to stay focused in some areas. So this is uh, why we get along so well. Yeah, the, exactly, exactly. The three brothers with ADHD, but Zach wasn't the one that got diagnosed in high school. Yeah. <laughs> So we do like a big fundraiser for um, 206 every year, which is called like our winter gala. And the first one we had, my sister-in-law came up. To, was it you and Jesse? Yeah. Yeah. My sister-in-law comes up to like, and I was in like in a suit and stuff to like, this is really cool. I never thought I'd see Zach doing this. She's like, Zach was rough. Like Zach was really rough. <laughs> like I'm like, all right. I remember crashing on your couch that summer and you know, you had a kegerator at your house. So I mean, why, what's the <laughs> um, no, I got my shit together. And so I went, I was going to school and then I started living at a fire department. The chief of the fire department, his son was actually one of my, my best good buds. And uh, he was working construction and I was good with my hands. And he was like, hey, we should, you know, come out, start framing with me. So we were framing and then I don't remember who it was. Oh, it was um, this, this guy that kind of helped us get going on our construction stuff. He was like, this is what they're charging for you guys to do the work. All right. And this is what they're paying you. And I was like, holy shit, they're charging like 60 bucks an hour for us. And we're getting like 15. And I was like, this is ridiculous. We should do this on our own. So we started a contracting business. I I want to say I was 21, 22. So we were doing that. And I was living at the fire department and shit like that. And along the way, I kind of found that um, I was helping some folks get ready for physicals and things like that. And I just really liked it. So I started going the training route and kind of dropped multiple careers that most people banked that I was going to go into. And I went full into uh, like training and trying to open a gym. And a lot of my friends, especially the ones that were um, 
career firefighters, they were like, yeah, we thought that was going to fail. I was like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> I'm like, good friend you were. That's yeah, why I don't yeah, see yeah. you around yeah, anymore. Yeah, 15 years later, they were like, yeah, that we thought that was never going to Yeah, happen. that's the first responder world, though, man. They, they, yeah, that's exactly. how they always think. Exactly. They always like, think it's the only place, the only way. Yeah. But, I was like, you know how it works? is if you guys come, they're like, what's the discount? I'm like, fucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm living out of my car pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I've lived out of every, I, everything, lived in my gym at one point. Uh, I was the expert at signing like the three month lease. I'd like drive around with my dogs because I have like two mixed breeds, AKA pit bulls. Um, or I had, I had two at the time, one of them passed recently. Um, but I drive around with them in the car looking for like a same day, like lease sign up. And I'd be like, so I got these dogs and it's, I have a vet thing that says, mixed breed they're not technically against the rules they're in the car you want to meet them you want to meet them and that was the key because they're yeah. the the best dogs yeah. and so people would meet them and be like oh of course yeah so i i floated around quite a bit um before i helped somebody open up their the first gym i opened i was actually opening up for a couple guys I'll, I'll call them investors they were kind of present but um but for the most part i they just gave me a space i put the floor down i built the community i built the culture um one of the guys had a brother that had a crossfit and i was doing crossfit at the time but our crossfit flavor was so different that it actually kind of caused some static between me and the the investors because they were looking for something more traditional and you know as we were talking like blog yeah let's dive into that a little bit like one one so you guys know the rest of the world or at least in my end of the world we picture everybody in Seattle living in the car with two dogs. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's like that's how like the news. That's yeah, how the news portrays it. But you know, it's warmer out, so everybody like every all the locals are really moving <laughs> around. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. well, yeah, let's talk about that non-traditional part of CrossFit and like get into like maybe like the RX stuff because like I mean, you hit your account like when you guys said that a thing. Like I'm not, I was never wanted really into CrossFit. Yeah, like, no, that's oh, no. that's like not even like a knock on. It's just not my thing. I, I did the dot com stuff when it first came out, like the rest of the SWAT team did. And that's kind of what got me into Jim Jones and kind of took me on the whole different path. But the, uh, you know, 60,000 followers, are you from what I hear, you guys were a pretty big deal in that CrossFit community. So like, I'd like to get into that too, just a little bit. So that, so you open the gym, it caused a little bit of rift because you were just more traditional in the barbell lifts, like coming back from that. Like you're, we're in the same age area, yeah. let's say I'm 44, you're 38. Yeah. So we grew up in that kind of like bro era too of like all my strength came from lifting in normal machines. And then I moved into the barbell probably because of CrossFit really. I just yeah. didn't love the Olympic part of it. Well, and so you're, you know, we're pretty, pretty freaking close in age and same thing with Gus, but we're, we're there. There was a time that we all are involved with where, you know, CrossFit, Jim Jones, all that stuff kind of cir- started circulating, right. blowing up at a one time. So it was a real cool time to be in the fitness industry. Cause I, when I was training prior to finding that stuff, I was doing more of a traditional split kind of thing, but I was still pushing into intensity because I'd been such a wrestler, you know, that like my conditioning workouts, I hated fucking running. So I was always doing something different. Cause I was like, I could get mat time to get it going. So when I started really like diving into outside of the, I just hated normal training. So I actually found West side way back in the day. And, um, it was just so confusing, especially at my age. And like, I didn't have any equipment and some of the guys I went and met, like they had, they were outfitted with chains and shit like yeah, that. You didn't I'm wear like, the suit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, like, I can't even buy a Dynamax. <laughs> I'm not out here with like, chains. Yeah. Left. well, yeah. Cause like my, my first med ball was like, like most people was like a sandbag that was like, or not a sandbag, a yeah. fucking medicine, uh, basketball. basketball, me too. And, me too. Yeah. You know, and then you throw it up to catch it and it's, 
80 fucking pounds and just shoots through your hands. Like, <laughs> mistake. Um, but so I, I found West Side and I was playing with the model and then I kept some of the, I would say it was more of the, the elements of changing lifts and keeping accessory style stuff in my training was one of the things I took into it. And then I found um, CrossFit like randomly because, you know, like you're saying, like the community, LEO and fire and things like that, it was kind of like really blowing up at the time. So somebody was talking about it. I looked up.com, didn't make any sense when I found it at first. I was like, this is all you do is like five push jerks for five sets and that's it. Doesn't seem like much of a workout. So like from the beginning, I was big into having multiple components in a session versus like the traditional kind of CrossFit split of just like the one thing based off intensity, which I am still a big fan of intensity, but you need to understand how to actually apply it for stimulus. Um, but so found that got into CrossFit. I was probably like a, like a, I'm in the community, you know, and I taught all over the world. And like we, like I said, with kettlebells, we're kind of like the redheaded stepchildren of the fitness industry. Everybody thinks they're cool, but they don't want to like buy them gifts at Christmas. And if you need like <laughs> fence built or like manual labor, you'll call them. And that's kind of what people think about with like kettlebells. It's like, oh, you can flip them. And then, you know, I'll, I'll do a shitty snatch for a video and, you know, a bunch of people like it, or I'll put it on my logo and never use a kettlebell. Mm -hmm. Um, so even like when I was teaching kettlebells for CrossFit, um, it was always like trying to get people to a different thought process of how to apply things. Um, and fun fact, Zach never got a negative review on a kettlebell, CrossFit kettlebell course. I didn't, I did not. I did not. Well, in fact, do they give a lot of negative reviews in CrossFit courses? Yeah. You know, actually, I feel like, I I feel like maybe they do. I was actually, I really... <laughs> We would get because some people get they get like very protective very fast i find no no so like uh, when i would teach actually we're, we're jumping ahead people are like what are you talking about teaching courses um so yeah i had um stay with that i i had a different thought process i started getting into some jim jones stuff um and i really was like doing the the bruce lee you know take what works get rid of the rest and kind of creating my own style so there was a big rift because um the seattle community is one of the oldest CrossFit communities out there. So it originally started in Santa Cruz with Glassman. And then the first affiliate actually was in Seattle. And it was actually originally called CrossFit North. And I think there was like a plan to maybe have like four affiliates around. So that, I mean, I started 14 years ago, but there was like two or three years of gyms opening up prior to that. So there's a very deep well of like coaches and people that have run through it and things along those lines. So people that would come from other gyms to check my gym out, they'd be like, what is this? Like, you're not doing the traditional stuff. Like, bro, what's the wad? I'm like, we don't really say that here per se. They're like, this is a sweet box. I'm like, yeah, we don't really say that either. Like, so we were at, we've, we've always been counterculture to the counterculture to almost a, a bad point but 14 years later it's really sticking you know you know like, people, people really like it they like to be on. so you guys list. are not a crossfit affiliate yeah we were not anymore we're not anymore you uh, were at one point we were even for a, long, for a long time and even when but even when we had it we didn't have it on the building for a long time like we ran a big uh performance uh facility called northwest strength performance people would be like is this an affiliate i'm like yeah well technically because a big part of it i was like hey man i pay my taxes you know like if i'm going to do this i was big into like hey if you're gonna you know tap into this material base then you should be paying back into the bigger institute especially because i was like working for them at the time and things like that as a contractor um it just made more sense to support something um as it was you know in its infancy and then it really just blew up mm -hmm. and people started going crazy with it um 
but we always had our own style, uh, very heavily kettlebell influenced. Things really, really changed at our gym. Ooh, 12 years ago, I went to uh, Russia uh, with Jeff Martone, which we'll get back to in a second, um, for a, like a week-long kettlebell sport coach clinic. And it just blew my mind on uh, what they were implementing as far as styles into their training, what their cross-training looked like, uh, their breathing cadences and things along those lines. And I brought that back and I was like, this works. There's there's data and I'm big on data. Um, and I was like, so we're gonna re-implement it in a CrossFit and it between our use of um, different odd objects, my original kind of endeavor of understanding how important accessory work was and kind of changing up the lifts and things along that, we applied it to CrossFit the sport because that was like a thing that we were like competing in, but we did it with our own style. So we kind of, in the beginning, we were like, bad news bears, like we would go to competitions and things like that. And we were very much out there to prove our style worked in a setting where you didn't have to do the traditional thing. Um, and that just led into working in, you know, LEO, fire, military, things along those lines. Um, Cause, and okay, we'll circle back to like Jeff and the, the like all the seminar stuff in the beginning. The, the big thing, um, because we are instructors that coach coaches and like, as AJ was saying, like I coach her coach we have i'm sure you have it because you have a bunch of gyms like you know you start becoming a grand coach you start yeah. yes. coaches that you coach and then they start coaching coaches. yeah and they're like oh okay man i have a lineage now that kind of is behind me the coolest thing that i think i got from the crossfit community into work we do nowadays especially it's because we're one our gym's full conjugate model um a lot of the work we do even with our teens is based off that but the cool thing that we learned is if you if you look at the CrossFit community as a whole, um, the bad, let's go with the bad of it. There's a lot of good coaches out there. There's a lot of good, good coaches. I have friends that are like fantastic coaches in it. Um, like top, some of the best coaches in the world, really. I've been lucky to kind of get to know them. But uh, you have an entire community demographic that is literally trying to redline and fuck themselves up. Like, and when I, when I mean fuck themselves up, I'm not trying, like, trying to hurt themselves, but they just want to thrash themselves. They want to get after it. And I want to lay on the ground and do stuff. Check so the Apple Watch after see how many calories. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So you're trying, you're looking at a car that's redlining and just rattling really, really hard. And it's like, okay, what can I do as a coach to implement performance pieces into this to start bringing the rattling down, so they can actually maintain what they're doing and not just solely pacing and not just solely doing things like that. But it's like, how can I trick an entire demographic into uh, like properly training themselves and then if you take that and then you look into like you know leo fire anything along those lines you're talking about the same thing that can be happening in a, a response to a body to stress and how i can take what we're doing based off this large pool of people we got to work with and how we can then reapply that into a better real world setting for the people that we're working with so there's a lot of cool stuff that comes from working with this large group of people that really are just like i'm just trying to thrash myself and some of them start gearing towards, oh, I want to perform better per se in certain things. So they go seeking, you know, how to get better in those kind of things. But a lot of them aren't, or they don't know to seek it. So it's like, how do you layer it in? Or even how do you layer it into these coaches that you work with so that they can then turn around and fix their communities and work with their athletes? Right. That is one of the biggest battles we find here is, is that still the person that wants to thrash themselves that now the watches have added a whole different dynamic mm -hmm. to this the system and i think a lot of coaching and running any gym is actually like it's more about like 
like you say, like tricking or adult yeah. learning? Like, how can you get people to buy in on this? Or how can I, like, honestly, like on a Wednesday around here, as we call it, that's like our recovery day, the way we, we follow the conjugate system too. We just have a little bit, the, the layout of the week is a little bit different, but follows the same premise. But we have to layer in, we don't call it recovery anymore, ever. No, we call it recovery. Nobody shows, right? We yep. call it, you know, conditioning or body armor or yep. you know, reloading. Everybody's here. Sounds cool. And like, it, like and recovery doesn't really have to be yeah. easy. Like if people have this, be like a, the higher you raise your fitness level, the harder that recovery would seem. I'm sure your recovery is probably would crush some people if they just walked into the gym, right? So, so that's the kind of like with us, it's a constant battle with the keeping the people bought in and keeping them moving forward on that thing. And with you said with CrossFit, I really agree. Like uh, we, we just had, a, it was a cool thing happened here. We had somebody with the conjugate system, all their training, their, their, their basis of training was all with us. So the conjugate went to a CrossFit gym, learned the skill, the skill behind, you know, double unders and some of the things I could mm -hmm. never teach and did amazing in the open. Right. And it's like the basis of strength takes so long to build. And I think that's what a lot of CrossFitters don't really appreciate that yeah, I do believe the fittest people in the world are those guys and girls competing in the CrossFit games. Like that is yeah. unbelievable. But I don't think people truly appreciate how much time goes into building the skill, the practice, the strength behind those major. Because, you know, what were they lifting last time? Those sandbags were like, you know, 500 pounds or something. Like they, it's yeah, like they such a basis of, of training. It's not done in a 40 minute wad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Done over like months and years of, of building all those different pillars of fitness. Well, and the part of that too, and it's it's true for any gym, like a, an orange theory or anything like that, you know, uh, there's that novice period, you're, you're going if you're, you're introducing something new, you're going to get fitter, you know, or you're going to get stronger. And the novice window is a beautiful thing. But once that novice window is done, you know, I'm like, hey, you're not seeing 50 pound PRs anymore, dude, you're yeah. not, you know, and, and you the, just learned to lift. And the depressing but. thing is, you'll probably never see another 50 pound PR in your life. That, yeah. That and and the over. same with weight get loss, excited about you know, like, five and 10 pound PRs. Oh yeah. Weight yeah. Loss. You know, we get, we just finished with, we, we've run these six week transformations. It's more of a lifestyle thing, but like people, oh, yeah, like, exactly. when they first joined, like when you first joined and you were 70 pounds overweight, losing 20 pounds, wasn't like, it wasn't very hard. Just like, it's not very hard to raise your deadlift by, you know, 75 pounds in the first yeah. mm -hmm. three months you you're here. But like, after that, like, it's going to be incremental and it's, it becomes even like, it has to be a perfect day. It has to be a perfect week. It has to be a perfect month for you to hit that yeah, 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 deadlift yeah, yeah. at this point. Yeah, the wind's got to be right. Yeah, it's like. Well, and that's like one of the things when we were, uh, when we teach our courses too, we have like a couple LPs, like linear progressions that we'll prescribe that are kind of based off um, loose. I will say loosely based off the Russian system um, for kettlebell sport lifting. I say loosely in a lot of things because we, as I said, we are like the counterculture to the counterculture. There are like, you know, uh, the strong, and I have a lot of people that are like, I've been associated with every, everybody, everybody. And I have gotten along air quotes at a certain point in some way or another. Um, but like the strong fit people are like, that's, what is that kettlebell lifting? That's there. They do sport lifting. That's what it is. But then the sport community looks at us. They're like, what is that? They don't do it because we have a hybrid style of lifting that we do because it's meant to complement these factors of what we're really trying to do and take into a fact that it could be accessory based or it's implementing into something else to help out so we would teach um, seminars and for the most part most of these athletes are aren't in like something like the conjugate system or working with a good strength coach where their posterior chains and their hamstrings are pretty weak so we would implement in like one of our lps i'm like hey 
for the majority of your people, this is like a supercharge. It only gets to happen once, but if you go through this progression, you're usually going to see like 20 to 50 pounds increase on your deadlift because hundred percent. Cause yeah. I would, I had a good base for strength and some pretty decent numbers when I really got involved with, you know, the West side, more of the West side conjugate methods yeah. about five, six years ago when me and Gus crossed paths hamstring work was something I, I mean, I had done it, but it was never at the focus like it is with oh, most God. Of our program. And I thought immediately my lifts, which like, I was like stalled for so long, shot up. I was essentially went from being what I thought was a, a novice to, you know, advanced to becoming a beginner. And right. I saw that great advances and it was like wild. And then when we started, you know, I don't know if you guys do this. I really test everything on me and then, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, then we deal it out. And then there was like, now all of a sudden, cause like, we'll see the injuries. If I have an injury, I see, I start to see it creeping into our programming. Cause it's something that I'm doing too much or not doing enough of. You start to see it creeping in also with your successes. If I start to make gains in somewhere, I see in the programming, it's going to happen there too. When we did that, we saw, like you said, AJ, that's a funny thing too. You said in our little chat about like, you know, you had to buy bigger shorts, right? It was like, everybody's like, you know, you start to feel like your hamstrings in your butt and stuff. And like, you're like, Oh my God, I have them. Right. It's like, it's crazy with that stuff. And that was one of the things that, not that I need to be sold anymore, but that those first four months that I was training with Zach down here, I'd already been training for three, four years at that point. And you had some good coaches. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I saw like 10, 15 pound jumps on all of my lifts, like including like the strict press, like crazy, crazy. So that was another thing that was like, wow, they're really doing something different and that's just like above above and beyond the training that I've had before isn't that the fun part is like trying to find different ways to get that jump out of people like you said strict yeah. press it kind of reminded me we just we were really stalled out in a bench press around here and uh I mean I've been bench press is my love and uh we just we did a heavy like a good 90 day block focusing on the strict press and actually bringing it below the chin where I normally, you know, like even Gus would tell you, they say there's a little gain in here, but I found by bringing yeah. it down, we actually shot everybody's bench press up in that block without even bench pressing. I just, that's the part I love about this is now that we've been in it long enough, but you have to find different ways to, to spark those numbers, to keep people interested. And a big thing for us too, is sometimes, you know, like we're not necessarily chasing like achieving for us, especially because like there's so much periodization, like we've done so many cycles and so many blocks and climbing the mountaintop to get to certain lifts. And it's like, okay, well, how can I get back, even get back to my old lift or within five pounds of my lift and hit my all-time max without having to have a six-week block of periodization to get there? If I can do that, then I'm containing, I'm like maintaining more residual strength. And that residual strength is like one of the things I'm always chasing for my people. Cause if someone is in an environment where they can't train with the proper equipment and things along those lines, which is like, even like, we'll make this simple. Like everybody went through, everybody went through lockdown, you know, everybody all of a sudden was like limited on their equipment. So it's like, how can I maintain and keep what I'm doing? A lot of people, like I got out of shape, dude, I got in some of the best shape of my life. Yeah. Yeah, it was freaky actually. During, like, during lockdown. Yeah, and, then I, I and it's not like you're like, Oh, but you're eating super clean and stuff. Cause I wasn't no. my, AJ was literally <laughs> you're like, pissed about that. I wasn't. Yeah. My, 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 uh, my fiance all of a sudden decided she was going to like get in. She didn't never, ne never. She's not Betty homemade. Nothing. She's a, she's a lawyer. She's a very like, like a yeah. hardcore, amazing, lawyer. like a, like a powerful one. Like I, I punched way out of my weight class. 
Um, but so all of a sudden she's going to start baking and then all of a sudden she became a bartender. So we'd be like trying to work and then she'd be like, <laughs> oh, it's three o'clock and she put a cocktail down. I'm like, all right, we're going to need to get up earlier to work out because apparently three o'clock is when everything shuts down nowadays. <laughs> but you're like at home. So I mean, who plays at, a, at a point, I feel like after about six weeks, we were like, hey, Jess, like eventually we're going to go back to work and we still have to be fitness professionals. Like you kind of got to cut it out with the baking because there's, so many there's no one to give cake to. Like, it's just the three of us. <laughs> I think COVID proved like what you said earlier about uh, orange theories and the yeah, F45s of the world was like we in our gym coming off of the barbells, going to lockdown, going on to what we called garage gym live, which is me talking like this, but doing workouts <laughs> with people. We, everybody started getting shredded. We were just doing push-ups and pistol yeah. squats and like, fucking every so many I could ever and then it started to be like oh those gains really came to it like it really helped for for probably six eight weeks and then they really came to a screeching halt where I was like man we are not getting better at all and it was like we got to get more equipment into people's hands we got to mess with tempo a little bit more mm -hmm. because like that that little newbie you know is like yeah. kind of yeah. went back to where you started when I was like you know in high school doing bodyweight stuff all the time to, to back to that and we had a big jump in it it's pretty funny well, for us, it was like, um, and even when uh, I ran like CrossFit Kettlebell, we based our entire program off the premise of uh, a guy can have two 53-pound bells or a girl can have two 35-pound bells and, you know, be, be badass, you know, like you can get a rocking training program where you still can't see, like, so here's the thing that drives me fucking crazy. All right. People always say like, you can't get strong with kettlebells. There's this like weird stigma online that you can't get strong with kettlebells. Now, the other thing that drives me crazy is that you have people that have years and years and years and years of periodization lifting under their belt that jump on the, the kettlebell thing. They're like, look how big and strong I got. I'm like, bitch, no, you have been benching. And that's why your chest looks like that. It wasn't from doing kettlebell snatches. Like, let's be real here. All right. <laughs> like you just got into them and now your Instagram's fire. Cool. But, um, like people say you can't get strong. You can totally get strong with them. You just, it's the same concept that you see with, um, West side, especially like uh, conjugate tactical, that it comes down to the positions and doing things correctly. So part of the thing that was some of our people when we were during lockdown that got super shredded, and I wholeheartedly believe this, is so one, we tried to do the thing that a lot of people did where it was like the live class. We had zero fucking success in the live class. Now we lost, I think, two members during lockdown. We had a great community that stuck with us, um, but we would just, we would film a workout and we would do it. And then we would post it up and people would just do it whenever they wanted, but they could do it with us. So we talked to the camera and stuff. But what I think a lot of people did was they maybe were adhering to better range of motion and giving themselves a little bit more breaks to be a little fresher, to hit better pushups and things along those yeah. lines. So they took themselves out of the class atmosphere. Now at a certain point, everyone's got to get back into that class atmosphere mm -hmm. because you can feed off that energy and everybody went crazy, you know, being locked Absolutely. up kids and your dog like well being locked up with my dogs is great for me but uh yeah, you you and, and you and jesse too like you got to see each other more than eight. zach yeah. and jess are just like marital bliss in their house like yeah, it's so great we never get to see each other during the day yeah i know i'm like you're you you look the same during the day <laughs> like i didn't know what you looked like um but yeah it, it was a cool i mean it wasn't a cool time but it was it, from a data collection standpoint it was interesting to kind of see because mm -hmm. everybody Universally, there was like a screeching halt to a lot of stuff going on um, and people that adapted. Ideally, I hope they came out of that with new things to implement into their program. And we had, we actually kept a almost like a lockdown-ish model in our classes when we came back uh, for quite a bit of time as far as the programming because people really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And then I was just like, hey, at a certain point, we got to start reintroducing load stimulus, guys. We got to get, you know, right. either you guys start grabbing the heavier bells over there, or I'm just going to have to put a barbell on your back to get you to blank. So like, well, I'm rocking it out. And maybe today I'm going to use the 70s for, and for some people, they're like, oh, double 70s is going to be heavy. But for some of our people that got used to them and they know how to use the style, okay, now you're only at 140 pounds of loading. It's independent loading. It's odd. Yes. But it's if I even just put 185 pounds on your back for a squat, it's mm -hmm. going to change your body. So it, it's kind of just, you know, always rotating stuff around, just like what we see with like uh, the conjugate method and whatnot. So it's it's very cool how to do it. And like when I started um, catching up with Gus online, you know, like I talk shit on Instagram and stuff, but like a lot, I still like I have to, I just started re-jumping my Instagram again today. I was like, all right, I'm getting back into it. But I found Gus online. So like, that was like a total big thing for me. I found him. I saw the way he was implementing conjugate tactical. It seemed very, it was, it was much more in line with conjugate. Um, but it, it was a lot of like same similar veins of what we were doing. And I was like, I'm very much into learning. And I was just like, okay, we got to go there. So they did the first open course outside of his, outside of Chesterton, which I have been there too. I've partied in his house, but, um, but, uh, they did one down in Texas. And I was like, Hey, AJ, we're going to go to this thing down in Texas. And the whole time we were sitting there, she kept like nudging me. And it was cool to hear somebody else kind of recite something that I've been teaching for a longer time. Um, but he had gone so far down the rabbit hole that it was like someone re-explaining what I was doing to myself. So mm -hmm. it was pretty cool. And, um, it's, it's interesting. The, uh, the groups that kind of produce out of this, you know, now we know you we're hearing how you're running like garage gym and stuff like that. And it's, it's been a pretty dope experience of like how we got here yeah. being that kid that took a very long gap here from, from high school. Well, I think it like for both Zach and I, like, you know, for both of us at some point in our twenties, we sat down and like tried to read about conjugate. Yeah. The book of methods. And, and just yeah. got overwhelmed Back into that so, yeah exactly yeah, See that right? face? Like, it's a lot to read it's, it's a lot and you're and you're like i feel stupid that i can't figure this out but really i didn't feel stupid because i'm not good at math <laughs> math, math is like i've gotten good at math bar like, math yeah i call it bar math and construction math and i had to teach her construction math because she'd be like and three sixteenths i'm like say like an eighth short <laughs> like Say three short, <laughs> just three lines short. Don't tell me all these other numbers. It's um, confusing. But like, Gus make like the conjugate tactical makes conjugate so approachable. And then really like I was elbowing Zach because I realized like, oh, we are already putting into place so many of these um, guidelines and philosophies. I've just never heard someone like explain them the way that Gus is doing. And then we came back. I think the biggest thing that we implemented was like a lot more wide stance yeah. stuff. Yes, that I think that was the too. biggest change. Because Zach and I- as Bro, we were, did your numbers go down hard at first? Oh, man. I, texted us. I was it, like, this is stupid. It was definitely one step back to go two steps yeah. forward. It was, and I, I, that's the line I use constantly down there. I mean, it's yeah. the conjugate system, I guess, in it, like the most basic way is like a state of optimal state of readiness at all times, right? Is yeah. to try to achieve exactly. that. And and yeah, by, by doing that with the bag, I, AJ curious, like with your, you know, we have, we went up to Gus's lift when I opened this gym with my background, I thought it was going all these SWAT guys and like uh, football players in here. And what I have is like 90% like women, my gym is 90% women. And we go up to the pull through and we go 30 deep to, to Gus's event and bring, I think it was like 24 of those 30 were women. 
Like, is that, I love, does that like for my wife, I wish you guys would love to meet her actually, but for my wife, that's a huge win for us. It's a huge win. Just like we stuck to it when everybody wanted to do hit classes and, and that kind of stuff, we stuck to it. And, and now we have women competing in this. Stuff. Does that, what does that mean to you? And how did you come to like love the barbell so much or the kettlebell? I should say that's redhead stuff job. So oh, I took a while for her to love the kettlebell. Um, <laughs> um, so I, um, did martial arts when I was like little little and then I danced for like 10 or 12 years kind of through middle high school and some of college um, my mom has been she's a very early adopter she's been doing CrossFit since like 2006 or something like that um, so she would constantly come home and like be telling me all about her workouts and I was just like yeah yeah mom whatever um, I tried one class when I was in high school it was fight gone bad and I was like dude this is she, my mom like doubled my score and did everything as prescribed. And I was, had like, you know, the little 22 pound training bar and I was big strokes, but there was one coach there on that, like bring a friend day who had danced in the um, Royal Winnipeg ballet. Um, and so that kind of like caught my eye, like, okay, well, there are, you know, there's not many, but there are dancers doing CrossFit. Um, if you, I mean, you've met me, I'm five, nine, you know, when we're competing, I walk at like, 180 if I'm if I'm Olympic lifting very heavy um so I was not built to dance yeah we were, um, big, we were big when we competed in CrossFit big, big we we're big gnastics um so when I started the summer after my freshman year of call or my my first year of university as we would say in Canada um I started CrossFit and I just fell in love with it um it was a little bit competitive like I started at about three months in, I started beating my mom in workouts and I was like, okay, we got to keep this up. Um, and then I started competing and then I started coaching. Um, and I really loved the heavy lifts, like more than anything. I didn't have good conditioning. I was not a well-rounded athlete. I had never gone to like, a you know, quote unquote globo gym and started on machines. Like you guys were saying, or even really like played around with dumbbells or anything. Um, so I had some crazy imbalances, like you know, didn't know how to do a proper bicep curl. So oh, I was like 25, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. just like unreal, but like could snatch 175, you know what I mean? Like just like such right. a, such a weird dichotomy. Um, so to me being strong, like physically strong helped me so much like emotionally. Um, and then coming down to pipe hitters and seeing all the women at Zach's gym and being like, oh, wow, like I'm the strongest girl at my gym, but I'm not, I'm like down, you know, maybe not even making top 10 at Zach's gym. Like that's where I need to be. Like, you know, just like if you're the right. smartest person in the room, find a different room. Like if you're the strongest person in the right. room, you also need to find a different room. Mm -hmm. um, and so ironically, I, you know, I did come down here and PR all my lifts and stuff, but then, um, after after the summer of sadness we'll call it um yeah, zach was like yo you're gonna start jujitsu well I'll start again i did it when i was eight but you're gonna start jujitsu again and um you're gonna start kettlebell training um and it i started with a like traditional 10 minute set so you accumulate as many reps as possible and whatever your given lift is um in 10 minutes with one hand switch um and then after that if we, you set the bell down you're that's done. It. That's it. In kettlebell sport, you can't set the bell down. There's no. There's no setting it. Down. There's no breaks, right. which makes a regular. It, I mean, it doesn't like it doesn't like if you set it down, it doesn't mean like 
you still get a score. So quick, quick can't... overview for anybody listening. So kettlebell sport is like, um, it's based off three lifts. There's uh, the jerk snatch and then the long cycle. Long cycle is technically like a clean and jerk. Well, not technically, that's what it is. Then you can combine snatch and jerk into what's called the biathlon. So those will be combined sports, kind of like what you see in Olympic total. And the traditional is based off 10 minute sets. Um, back the, the first ones are more traditional to like what we really specialize in, which is called marathon. Uh, there was no time limit. It, it used to be called the horse sport because the guys were just like crazy endurance and they would just go pretty much until somebody just had to drop the bells. There was all these old time stories about guys going for hours and hours lifting, lifting kettlebells. Um, so they like, like everything in sport to quantify markers, you have to like get it into a certain parameter. There has to be a, right. yeah. So they took it to the 10 minute time domain. Um, and it itself as a sport is very i would say it's very fringe but it's very boring to yeah. watch but in like you go to you go to russia and it's it's pretty it's it's very recognized but um in the states there was a time that it was getting big but not so much anymore um because it's boring it's boring to watch it's like who, who goes and watches their friend it's only 10 minutes but who go watches their friend do a marathon you don't you, you show up at the beginning <laughs> you go to one checkpoint and, you and go then you go to the, the end. end you go to the end it's yeah. like the last if anybody goes to watch kettlebell sport it's go like to the, the last, last 30, 30 seconds, seconds and that's when shit gets exciting because that's when everybody starts cheering and shit otherwise it's literally watching the same thing that which should be perfect the entire time it's like watching paint dry so what she references as the, the summer of sadness was we we had a summer where like a lot of a lot of hardship came into all of our lives, like personally and stuff. And it all just hit at once. Um, and I was trying to steer the steer the ship at the gym and AJ was having a hard go. And I was just like, took her in the office and I was like, hey, listen, and I, I do this a lot. I, I my version of tough love is like, hey, I'm going to pet you on the ground at a certain point. And then I'm not going to let you do. It. I'm going to stand you back up and I'll, I'll pet your shoulder still. But we're, we're going to get can't lie down. Anymore. Yeah, you can't lie down anymore. And I like threw a gi at her and I'm like, I'm gonna start teaching you jujitsu. And then the second thing I was like, and you're going to start doing kettlebell sport and you're going to become an endurance athlete. And to tell like a strength athlete that you're going to become an endurance athlete. I was already crying. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> She's like, I don't, I don't think I could do it. I don't want to do it. But like, <laughs> for me, like, um, I'm a very much explosive, explosive based athlete. Um, jokingly sit, like make my my wrestling career was very reminiscent of like Mike Tyson. Like it was, it was matches were very, very quick, very, very violent. <laughs> um, but if they lasted more than if it, if, seconds, it, if it got past two rounds, Nick, my brother's like, just keep stalling. <laughs> Cause I'd be so gassed. Cause I had no idea how to train myself in, in those parameters. And even when I went into initial, you know, you know, when you get into like training back in the day, you know how it was, it was like, you'd run and you'd do weights. That, that was pretty much what it is. Yeah. And before I found, you know, the idea of West Side, where I found CrossFit or started looking at Jim Jones. Um, I worked at a personal training studio, which actually, you know, when in retrospect, um, they were, they were pretty much there. They had an idea. It was implemented incorrectly because they were working with like very much in the bodybuilding community, but there were these 30 minute sessions that they pretty much sold. And I was like one of the highest demand people they had. And it was kind of a complimentary base of um, like Paula Quinn tempo style stuff. Yeah. And the thought process of Dorian Yates with the max, like the one max set. Um, so there was like, you just do four or five lifts and it was all machine-based, but man, it would like, the set would be like three to four minutes and it would be the complete exhaustion. So I had a really good idea of how to get like a very good mind muscle control out of things. And that's like when AJ was talking about, she didn't know how to do a bicep curl. You know, you get these athletes that get into 
air quotes again, functional movements. And a lot of them don't know that accessory work is super important to know how to actually Mm -hmm. control your body correctly and certainly like you know in 2011 at my crossfit gym in canada there there's no concept no absolutely we just actually finished leading into christmas we did a six months bodybuilding block six months because i found as a whole in our place yep people did not have one that i think a lot of our lifts were failing our big three were failing because they just didn't have the strength in the upper back Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, mm-hmm. we say we have a lot of women here. So like upper body strength is typically speaking in generalities is, is usually a weakness. So we worked on that. And then there was the the connection. It was like, you know, people are already, I can't feel it. I can't feel it. And it's like, because tempo, like tempo is a, is a great solution to a lot of those issues. I find mm-hmm. I, uh, it sounds super dramatic when I say it out loud. So I, <laughs> uh when one of the uh, CrossFit, like the, the first and only time that I, I was actually, well, I guess I'd competed individually before that and i competed in some strongman events after that individually but the only regional event that i competed at individually and then i started going team because at that individual event i actually bro- broke my back it sounds super dramatic when i say it um but that's what happened but it's what happened I, I i i have a i have like no meniscus in my right knee and sometimes it'll sweep and it was like a heavy clean workout and short and heavy was my jam and I was like, I'm going to fucking go out and try and win this thing. Murder everybody. And I was like ripping on these cleans and my knee swept in. And when it swept in, I like cued my body Itch. and it caused, it caused a spondy fracture in my spine. Um, and when that happened, uh, like all of a sudden, like lights went out in Georgia. Everything was like, I, like, I, I, fin- I actually finished the workout. You're and then, so stupid. Yeah. And, I'm, and if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. You know, uh, so I like limped off the floor. but once I got back to a, a state where my, my, my back was okay, I was like, okay, I got to like rod iron around my back. And the answer for that for me was box squats and an insane amount of tempo, uh, Bulgarian split squats. So I always usually, cause I have a long sporting life, find a way to break myself. And then I find a way to fix myself. And then when I, in that process, I take that and reapply it into our program. I'm like, okay, when I needed to fix myself, I did this. What happened when I was fixing myself? Oh, I got stronger. I got more jacked and I got fitter. Who doesn't want those things? Oh, what did I do? I just right. something up and tempo was one of the bigger ones to do. Now at the same time, uh, tempo can be overabused. Like you do, you do want to like create load stimulus as well. Um, but a lot of the times, even like when we're box squatting, I'll have people, I'm like, Hey man, do it like tempo. So they're not, you know, falling on the box and shit like that. Yeah people in their weak ass hamstrings, even if they think they're strong with their hamstrings, because they train here, it always can be better. Everything can always be better. You know how that is. For sure. AJ, I think you hit on something huge that, that really talked about what, what uh, you said earlier, Zach was like, when you said, uh, why did you start in the gym? And I, this hopefully with uh, so many women that come to our gym, they understand this, you, like, your mom, right. And Zach, you hit on lineage. Like, I think like that is such like, that is something that's happening huge. And I, I hope that the women that are coming to this gym, because they'll be my age, which is older than you, but then their kids will be a little bit younger. So like, I think they're going to start to see and hopefully hear those same kinds of things like come about so that, you know, we're done with this. Like, you know, let's just, just like nothing wrong with dancing, but let's, let's, you're, you're a woman, you're going to go dance or you're a young girl, you're going to go dance. You're not going to like get into this wrestling stuff. So and you're creating that lineage. You guys mm-hmm. are creating mm-hmm. that at 206 with all these young boys and girls, right? Like we're yeah, a yeah. lot of the boys too are being pushed just towards video games and stuff too. Right. So like, yeah, for real, for like, real. Yeah. For me, I like, 
I'm so lucky. And actually my mom did everything she could to not put me in dance and gymnastics. She pulled me out of ballet and put me in martial arts when I was five. And I actually was the one who like pushed to go back to dance. Um, but yeah, as a, as a family, it was always very important to stay physically active. And I grew up in, um, Squamish BC. So if you guys know, like we're, we call ourselves the outdoor recreation capital of Canada. Um, so we're always like, it's a huge rock- sign. The yeah, 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 there is, there is a huge sign. Um, they're always <laughs> like, that's not for Whistler. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Zach's like, oh yeah, the McDonald's we drove by. I'm like, God, why I gotta say it like that? Um, but you know, rock climbing and skiing and just, you know, grew up in this very like idyllic childhood that really like cemented the base for like, there always needs to be something physical going on in your life. And for me, I think that's the coolest thing to have started CrossFit and being in like the gym space as a teenager. And then now having all these like teen girls and even younger, honestly, you know, starting to really embrace lifting heavy and, you know, really like fully, like we tell our kids all the time, like, Hey, whatever sport you're in, we don't care if you play sports, but if you do awesome, but whatever sport you're in, your coach is never going to come to you and be like, Hey, you're too strong. Yeah. Like that's never, never going to happen. So, you know, if you're in, we tell the kids all the time, like if you're in season, don't, you don't need to be here twice a week or even once a week, like focus on your sport, but we're always going to be here once your season's over and we just go back to work. Um, And I think the coolest thing, kind of the first, like first class we had of girls graduated in 2021. Um, and we had like four or five of them that were like kind of consistent, you know, it was really like, like they just, they had the, the worst end of it. Like they got let go from school, like one day in March when they were in grade 11. And then they never really went back to school until college or university. Right. Like they, because of the lockdown, because of the lockdown, like they really struggled. And so, um, we had a really like core group of girls. And now the cool thing is that they're coming back into the gym after finishing their second year of university. And just, you know, they're always checking in. If something's wrong, they call me or text me like to have, to, to be that mentor, like Zach was saying to other girls, to other kids, but like the girls, especially to me is just like the most important part of my job that I take so seriously. Cause I know there were people there for me when when I was a kid and needed that. Absolutely. Leadership is influence. And you guys are definitely, I mean, I watch your videos now that now that we're all friends on Instagram <laughs> and, and it is awesome to see. It's, it's, it is truly awesome to see the nonprofit. Like that's in itself got to be a challenge, right? It, like, <laughs> like, you know, I, I, that would be a whole other podcast, but what yeah. you guys are doing for the youth in your communities and like, I cannot wait to come up and see it. Speaking oh, of going yeah. up, we're going to uh, Columbus next weekend. One of my coaches is taking the the course, so I'm pumped oh, to yeah. head up head up there. So it's only a three hour drive from here, so it's real short. Here, yeah, you're gonna see me and AJ are both gonna be there. Are and, you coming? Yes. Uh, and right. special guest is also gonna. And this might be a good segue to talk about this guy. But special guest is also gonna be there. Jeff Martone is gonna be in attendance. Oh, cool. You guys, you don't know who Jeff is. That's, That's okay. like but, our surrogate dad. Yeah. Yes, so I heard lots about him, but I don't yeah. know. So Jeff was, um, he's like, we call him, we call him like uh founding father of American kettlebell, which a lot of people be like, what about Pavel Svetsuli? I'm saying, oh, it's an American kettlebell. All right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he was originally tied in with like, uh, the founding of the RKC back in the day. And, um, he started something called tactical athlete. And that was, uh, kind of where I earned my spot with him on the seminar scene. Um, 
but he got he left the RKC and got tied in with um CrossFit and Greg Lastman because he's like he's one of the people that influenced me really into like constantly be seeking knowledge because in the beginning when I was seeking knowledge it's just because like I'm like there's so much shit I don't know I just need to learn it and where do I learn it you know there's it was like back in the day like I'll look it up on a blog or maybe I'll find a YouTube video or I'm gonna have to fly to Arizona to learn a course so I, I would do that um but then I got to a point where oh maybe I know enough you never know enough you should always be learning and Jeff taught me that so he was going to these like he went to like one of the original CrossFit courses just to see what it was. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. They, um, they're kind of doing what I'm doing at the, the gym with the guys. You know, we got some rings over here and some kettlebells over here and a barbell here. That's cool. And uh, they're like, oh, so you know how to teach kettlebells. And by factor, he ended up becoming uh, their uh, subject matter expert for kettlebells and going around the world, teaching other coaches how to be proper coaches. And then the idea with that was coaching kettlebells, especially into the CrossFit space into the, like the functional area of things. And um, I met Jeff at one of his kettlebell courses. And then he, at the end of it, I thought he fucking hated me for one. <laughs> I was like, this dude fucking hates me. He really doesn't give a lot away. Yeah, I know he doesn't. He doesn't. And I, it was just me being, I was a shitty 20 some year old, just, you know, eating a bunch of shit in the back of the room and like everybody else went out to lunch together and I'm like oh I'm staying here with this dog um <laughs> just just a dirt bag like we're we're classic dirt like our gym that like we actually have shirts that says like dirt bag and proud we're like total dirt bags uh, we dress like we work at a skate shop exactly you know it's like car hearts and shit like we don't you don't come in and I'm not knocking anyone else that doesn't like wear like I got like in the summer I'll start wearing my board shorts and stuff again but like I I just roll in like with what I wear and people are used to it um but uh, Jeff told me about his tactical athlete course, which was like a week. So I went out there. Uh, it was in Georgia, I believe. And uh, it was a pretty cool experience. Um, uh, hearing him, his content from one course, dealing in kind of the CrossFit space, and then talking about dealing in the tactical community. And at the end of it, that was when he mentioned, um, one, he mentioned Russia to me at the time that he was going to be going back to do that. And then two, he was just like, well, you know, does anybody have any, like, somebody asked, like, where do I get programming from? And he's like, well, I don't really do programming. I don't have it out there. Um, and I was actually at the course uh, with this girl. And it's funny, every time you hear me say I'm at a course with a girl, not to sound like that guy, but it's usually a different person that I'm talking about. <laughs> so I was at this course, this girl started kicking me under the table because I had um, a training blog that I had started posting just because, like, you, you did that back in the day so people could find content. They're like, tell them, tell them, tell them. And I was like, no, don't, don't fucking, <laughs> don't, don't embarrass. Yeah, keep your mouth shut. Yeah. And it was like, I know one. I was like, son of a bitch. Um, so lesser though. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff wrote it down. Jeff looked at the stuff. Um, and then he had a course in Idaho, which I think there was like 30 participants at. And he emailed me and he was like, Hey, I need, I need a second. Can you come out and help at it? And while we're out there, let's talk about some more of the programming stuff. Cause he would never do like a true programming block. Uh, I nailed it. As far as helping out at it, uh, I had a very short honeymoon phase compared to some people. I had a very short honeymoon phase. It was a couple years, maybe, of traveling with Jeff, and then he just violently kicked me out of the nest. <laughs> like, and what I mean by that was like, he's like, now you're teaching courses. Now you go do it on your own. And I think my first course was actually at my first solo course was at her gym, which where her coach then started having me program for her. And I think I had like 
I don't know, it was like 20, 20 or 30 people. Like Nate. I actually yes. knew about that course though. I should have gone like, yeah. if only I knew. <laughs> Be full oh. circle. Zach was like, he was back in the, he looked, so he tried to look older. So he had this like really big, like beard, like Thor. And I just remember like he would, the, all the Americans would come to like Olympic lifting meets and like CrossFit competitions. And they're always like, USA. And we're just like, who are these douchebags? We like, were so rowdy. Yeah. So and then rowdy. now here I am. Uh, here you are with a guy drinking a purple drink. Thing. What is that anyway? Oh, it's a it's a blended acai or blended dragon fruit refresher. <laughs> I'm getting over a cold a little it bit right now. Oh, yeah, here we go. It's helping our immune system. Like I would drink be drinking coffee right now, but I'm like this doesn't sound good. Uh, but yeah, so Jeff kicked me out of the nest, and then I started traveling actually the world, uh, teaching courses, which was pretty cool. Like I never thought my blue collar ass, like one of our gyms that we were building out, literally I was sanding sanding the wall because we were finishing this um door frame door frame i was sanding it and i, I was like i gotta go and i covered in drywall dust left got on a plane to germany <laughs> like somebody was sitting next to me and i'm like covered in <laughs> drywall dust because i was so used to like flying international and i flew out on friday and flew back on a sunday and that that was like my life for a while that i was doing these wow. crazy back trips um and I mean, I think like over, I stopped counting at a hundred courses that we've taught. Um, I think I've been in like nine, nine or 10 countries. Um, oh, more than that. Yeah. Teaching different things. Uh, super cool. It's really helped me. Um, one of the things I'm really good at, so there's like three phases of learning. This is what I learned from Jeff. I kind of got into myself when I was talking about Jeff, but you know, Jeff, and the only place you can actually really see me and Jeff anymore together is at Power Monkey Camp. It's, so it's kind of a big deal when we get together because people love watching us because we kind of have like our our act. The Zach and Jeff show. Yeah, it's like amazing. what uh, you're gonna see in prison. Oh, I'm looking forward like, to it. Yeah, I'm professional and like very on. Like when I teach, I'm a lot different than when I you know am kicking Hot it. Teach. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Jeff like just gets off topic and and he's, I'm like, dude, I'm like, and Jeff, what do you want to teach? And he's like, I don't know. I was like, yes, you do. You know exactly what you're <laughs> supposed to teach. Right? We're doing the same two hour block seven times. He's done this like so many <laughs> times. Uh, so he's he's hilarious. So we get our little our act going when we do that. Um, so that's only a like Power Monkey Camp that where people can really see us. But you'll get that full show. Look at that full show up there. Amazing. Yeah, good. I'm looking forward to my guy who learning from it, man. He's a 22 year old beast, so he's a young oh, kid. Oh, good, good, yeah. good, good. But uh, first yeah, day, so, first no, day, this kid works for me. He shows up with a picture, and it's him. He's five, and I'm in my SWAT gear, and I've got my hand like, on his shoulder. I didn't know my wife had hired him. He didn't say a word, and he came oh in. God. And this first day of work, he's like, "Hey, my mom told me to show you this because." his dad had worked with me and they came to a day, a show and tell day. And it was like, how hilarious is that? Now this kid's got like a 600 pound deadlift and oh eager to learn. So when I told him, you gotta, you gotta course, frame he, like, put it in the he explode. He was like, you know, when you give somebody, you're like, Hey, you want to go on this course? And he's like, like, yes. Like, all right, let's go next weekend. Dude, it's like the kids we work with. They'll be like, Hey coach, have you heard of ice cube? And I'm like, <laughs> when, what, what? Have you heard of Nirvana? I'm like, yeah, like I'm I know it's coming back around for you guys, but I was your age when that shit was coming oh out. So yes. Shut up. It's just shut up. They just drive hilarious. Me um, oh, but what I was saying, um, so teaching the courses international was like a big changing. So when we were, you know, jawing it up and kind of talking strengths in Vegas, I said one of my things is progressions. Um, because a lot of the times I'd get stuck with interpreters when I'd be overseas. And there's a lot, there's sometimes there's not an interpretation for movement, you know. So 
or vernacular, but I'd be like, well, how do you say this? And they're like, and they'd say it in English. Yeah, right. right. Nobody knows what it means now. All right, sweet. So I got really good at um, applying into, so Jeff taught uh, the three phases of learning or three different types of learning. So visual, um, uh, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. And it was really just trying to have a better visual progression for everybody so they could pick things up because the auditory wasn't going to really work if I couldn't communicate to mm -hmm. them. And I was trying, I was being graded on every criteria of what I was teaching. And so if somebody, I was in, you know, uh, freaking, you know, Switzerland and someone had flown up from somewhere like Italy, which is like actually really close there. Um, but they still flew over. They're like, well, I wasted my time coming here because they couldn't communicate. Now, Switzerland is not the big problem with this communication. I think more probably like when I'd be teaching in China and Korea and places right. like that. Like, so it was, it was a very, very good learning uh, experience for me, like very sink or swim. A lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of late nights for me, early mornings for AJ getting messages from me. I'm like, can you send this? Because I'm about to start something. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm like, just I'm, I'm so thing, much I'm, stress. I'm 14 hours ahead right now. Yeah, he'd be. I'd be like, "Why are you texting me? It's 3 a.m. There." He's like, "Can't sleep. Need can't to sleep. need to program." I'm like, "Oh, geez, yeah, so. great." <laughs> and so for me, honestly, like as a new coach, I had almost the opposite experience when Zach's talking about learning styles. I was very lucky to work with a visually impaired athlete mm. in like my first year of coaching. And so you can't just say like, "And then you're going to do this," because she's getting nothing out of the class if that's all you're doing. So you really have to choose your words carefully about communicating what you want to happen because she, like, she was freaking awesome. She, she's a massage therapist. She would do box jumps. She would run around the block. Like she had enough vision that she felt comfortable doing almost every movement, but not enough vision that I could just stand in front of her and be like, okay, and then you're going to do this. So it was really interesting. And I like, I think for me, working with adaptive athletes has been the most like positive uh, effect on my mm -hmm. coaching to be able to be like, okay, really reformatting, like this that is, is what effective Nathan looks like in effective coaching. There's so much like that goes into that. You're right. We, we have a few adaptive athletes that are actually, we're doing a, a thing in two weeks here which is a, a deadlift competition with for the adaptive athletes and we're like oh, rad. We, yeah. we cannot wait for it. it's like honestly it's the best event we do a lot of events it's the best one of the year for me because we put the spotlights on and they get to you know we've got some nice warm-ups and all these things they get to come out and just like show off all their hard work but it is and they have uh, a bunch of the cops i used to work with volunteer their time with it and the just the little things that you that you learn from watching them coach these athletes is different right like even mm -hmm. like the hand placement a lot of like like very much touch put the hands there and then watching like the athlete just crush it and the communication is like very you know getting down to the level and it's just very like eye to eye and and showing it's very it's very cool to watch and it's i cannot wait to watch these guys crush their lifts in two weeks we're here well we're gonna pack this house we're turning the whole gym into a bar we nice beer, beer and wine and like it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a killer event amazing so, yeah, yeah i think zach has given me a lot of confidence in terms of coaching progressions and stuff i went to a, with one of our coaches went to like carl paoli course oh yeah maybe like 2018 or something like that and he was like who who can teach an air squat like like who knows this like the back of your hand and i put my hand up like so confidently and he had us do a progression of like teaching without using your words teaching with your eyes closed and then teaching with your eyes closed and without using any words. 
And I remember he came up to me afterwards and he was like, thank you for doing that drill. Like you did a really good job. And he's like, the thing that stuck out to me is that when you went to touch your athlete, when your eyes were closed, you made sure to ask for consent to touch him before you started. And I was like, well, yeah, like I, I'm Canadian. Of course I'm polite. I'm Canadian. Of course I'm polite. <laughs> I work with kids and yeah. I was a kid in the gym, but you know, like how all those layers, like really makes you think about how you're interacting with people. And so I was just like, oh yeah. And he's like, well, that's not obvious to everyone. So I'm really glad that you did that. Um, but yeah, I would say it's like, same with Zach. I haven't, I've only taught seminars in the U S I haven't, um, been lucky enough to travel internationally yet, but I really like, I think, I think we're getting back on the the international road getting back. Nice. I'm, there I'm is really, such an art to all of the coaching and how, and it's yeah, funny how yeah. your life experience really plays into that art. Like I, I swear that the, the best thing policing did for me was teach me to go into different homes of every nationality, every language, much like you, uh, just yeah, yeah, local, yeah. right. And try to solve complex problems with major, sometimes complete language barriers. Sometimes, mm-hmm. um, you know, like <laughs> people who have way bigger problems than I could ever understand and trying to go in there and solve those things. And then being able to like now and learning and even being sent on courses about how to teach, you know, how to put together PowerPoints and how to, you know, make sure that, you know, what this doesn't work and that doesn't work for adult learning. That was, that was always like things I didn't appreciate then. Right. You probably yeah. didn't really appreciate like, like, or even notice, like that's what coaches were doing for you. And then now you're able to apply it later down the road. And I, I mean, life experience is huge. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys on the, on the show, like not the show, like your show being on the the visiting end of it and just being out in the stands. I've been, yeah. uh, you know, lockdown got me out of that conjugate system or not the conjugate system, but out of that community for a couple that's of years. Beauty, so man. Yeah. Looking forward. I need, I need a good refresher. I, that's what I said to my guy. I can't wait up to get up there and just like get some, you know, top up information and the new information. Cause you know, Gus and you guys like nothing, nothing, you never teach the same course twice, which is yeah. another thing yeah. I love about that guy and and the, the, the network of people that we're now, you know, affiliated with, which is awesome. So man, I can't wait to see you guys next weekend. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, how do people look you up though? Right. I mentioned the 60,000 followers. I didn't mention where to follow you at though. <laughs> Um, so our Instagram, you can find us at RX actual, um, as far as my personal one, it's old country strong at gmail.com. You can also follow our gym at 206.south. Um, that's its IG handle. We have like so many, I know I was going to say, you guys have the most I've ever had on the show. So keep going. We'll list them in the notes. For well, AJ's got hers. <laughs> AJ, what's yours? And then, uh, my Instagram handle is at Adriana Cara. Um, and if you want to get in touch with the gym, um, it's info at 206south.org. And we we field all questions and we'll actually usually, I mean, we try not to like burn the candle in the middle and both ends, which we usually end up doing. Um, but like people usually listen to us on podcasts and they want to reach out about um, nonprofit stuff. So if we, we, we actually usually will do a FaceTime or something like that with mm-hmm, people to mm-hmm. if they're interested. answer their questions. First, we're like, well, here's the downside. Really weigh that. And then- <laughs> Yes, and then here are those- yeah, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing. Yeah, it's not all shits and gigs, but we we actually we had a teen class last night to like cap it off. And we we were telling our kids like, you know, yeah, we're kind of being honest. Like, hey, we're a little sick. We've been a little run down, but uh, just teaching you guys is like absolutely the highlight of our week. And we just really really want to thank you guys for all the effort that you put in. And we try and like tell them how grateful we are for their presence because it's it is truly fulfilling, even though it's the hardest work I've ever done.
Yeah, man. So if anybody has like questions on nonprofit kettlebells, want to book us for a course seminar, we specialize in everything that we do. We usually customize them to groups um, mm -hmm. outside of our traditional uh, instructor one, which is certified. But just DM me, really. I mean, it's the easiest way. Slide in my DMs. Yeah, I'm gonna slide in your DM. This is international travel for you, technically. So yeah, we'll get you down. we're definitely gonna get you down in this area for a uh, course, or maybe yeah. we'll come to you. I should come to you. It'd be much more fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do. Well, you gotta bring your wife if you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think she'll let me go at that coast without her. <laughs> we're starting the construction on our outdoor structure next week so I'll, i'm gonna wait and be like hey man we got like once the full facility yeah, 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 yeah. our new facility is actually like three billion it's almost like the length of half it's the like city a block yeah it's like a compound yeah so once that's all squared away otherwise you're gonna come in and things are in shambles you're like oh this room looks nice what's going on yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah i got back on the mats last night for the first time and guess what we do like it's like a mma but it's catch wrestling based I was no, going to say, oh, did I see that you hell yeah. scientist? Exactly. Oh, man, it was so into fucking, it was, yeah, the guy that I trained with, the guy I used to work with, he's awesome, like a trainer, it's not my, I'm the student, I like, I like that part of it too, being the student, but man, it's Nelson week, oh my oh. god, all I had was first day back, because my knee, so this has been my first day back, and it was like having somebody lay on my head and twist my neck for like two hours, I'm, I yep. woke up this morning, like, no workout today, just yeah. Guinness and uh, and Irish whiskey, loosen yep, me exactly. up. So well, yeah, we we actually do a uh, catch. I do a catch base. My other brother is purely jujitsu, but he likes rolling with me as a training partner for that. And then I've even gotten away from saying catch base because so many people are so purist in catch and what they think that is. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take myself out of this. Zach group. does dirty wrestling. Yeah, it's just like dirty boxing, but wrestling jujitsu style. <laughs> it's like that's pretty much. But would Gus say he's a professional roughhouser? I'm gonna take that title too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go for it. I I want to witness this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, yeah. So our our so Jamie, our head jujitsu coach, like we teach like leg locks to white belts. Oh like, yeah, we're we're just, we're, we're, we're very much against the establishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. We just we just go in full force. So boxing is sparring without headgear. That's it. Sounds a lot more violent than it really is. It actually kicks down the amount of like hard punches. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heads, But. People come in, you're sparring without headgear, and then the leg locks. People aren't even wrapping their hands. People White are like, what yeah. is going on here? Then the kids are lifting sandbags, and we're doing conjugate when they thought they were coming to a CrossFit. <laughs> Everything's all fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids are like, I do CrossFit. We're like, oh, honey, don't yeah. walk into another gym instead. Unreal. All right, on that note, everything's different. You guys are awesome. I appreciate it. Now's the time to do more and be more. 